Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode. This is your host, John Rosenberg, live from Jacksonville. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I really appreciate the love and the support. Um, that being said, we're going to talk about the South African conflict. I know for a fact that those Pan-Africanists lag to preach this Pan-African gospel to us. Those of us who reside in the Americas, particularly North America and the Caribbean islands and South America. Um, I have made it clear that before you think about moving to Africa, there's a lot of things you have to factor in. Um, you have to know that what country you're going to, which tribe do you belong to, because we don't belong to none of those tribes because we're not the same people. I explained that in my last podcast. So that being said, South Africa in particular, with the apartheid, uh, with the Dutchess and the English who had uh, take over the other uh, country, um, till today, the English and the Dutchess, they own like roughly 85% of the wealth in South Africa. I'll say 90%. Don't quote me on this. Go look it up yourself. Now, there's a lot of conflict going on in South Africa among South African and other na- African nations. Now, there have been reports that they have mistreated a lot of South African, a lot of uh, Africans, particularly in West Africa, that migrate to South Africa for work, for leisure, for other things. They, they discriminate against them, they treat them like second class citizens. Now, meanwhile, you know, they throw the red carpet for China. They throw the red carpet for the so-called European. They throw the red carpet for the East Indian. But meanwhile, their own brothers and sisters who from Africa, they mistreat them really bad. I'm not saying all of them are like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying all South African are racist towards other Africans. But what I'm saying is that there have been a lot of reports, Al Jazeera, BBC News, you know, all the network that, you know, cover this particular subject matter, how they're treating Africans in Africa and South Africa. Now, South Africa, you guys know that, you know, they are the Zulus and the, uh, what's the other tribe? The Tosa. That talk like that. So the Tosa, the, the, the Zulus, the Zulus are more pro, pro, uh, prominent in South Africa. They have the, they are the world bloodline. Uh, and they have other tribes. I think they have about four. They might have ten tribes down there, if I'm not mistaken. But the more popular tribe, Atosa and Zulu is the most popular tribe by far. Because my neighbor, he's a Zulu, and me and him we spoke about that also. Now, a lot of Pan Africanists they like to tell you go back to Africa, invest in Africa. I'm not against investing in Africa. I told you guys in my last podcast, if you're a businessman or a woman. And I think that's a good idea to invest. But you have to be careful. There's a lot of scams in Africa. Not only in Africa, throughout the world. But I'm just saying we focus on Africa now. So you have to be mindful of that before you give people your information, your money. So you have to do some kind of background check on those companies. If they're legit or not before you invest. That being said, there's a lot of South Africans who might listen to this podcast. You may agree or disagree with me, that's irrelevant. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. I'm not from South Africa, but I w- I've watched, I've read about South Africa, I've read about South Africa. I've watched documentary on many occasions about South Africa, particularly the apartheid movement on uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, a lot of you guys give him a lot of credit, but one thing, you know, he was loved by the people. I get all that. 
but he didn't take the wealth from the from the duchess over there from he didn't take the wealth and give it back to the people he didn't take the land and give it back to the people that's where he went wrong because he should have take he should have resolved the land issue before he passed on he didn't resolve that land issue that land issue still linger around till today uh lamuna lamuna i think lamuna the other guy the activist who's been fighting for this land and other people in the parliament in south africa they've been fighting for this land which the dutchers and the english stole from those africans over there and they they those um, uh, those africans they 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 not they don't want to give up the land they want to still control the land and the land that was stolen by lie and pilgrimage of those people millions of people have died to the past 3 centuries because of those land so they have the mossad the israel mossad to come out there and protect them from those african and israel have no say so on the subject matter they they should not get involved in this because you know why because america give them the leverage to go in there and do what they want and the south african government have to go to geneva go to the un say israel got to stay there have to stay out of there they have no business intervening in in south african internal affair this is a personal matter it's not an israel matter just like they won't like they will not let south african leaders go to israel and interfere in their personal internal affairs that being said this thing has been going on for centuries um there have been a lot of people die on this thing on this sub, on this fight and people still are dying every day in south africa fighting for the land so those of us who live in america who may not not know the history of south africa or who never travel who have never watched documentary on south africa i would advise you to at least watch this documentary and study south africa to get a better comprehend to get a better understanding what's going what's taking place in, in South Africa right now as I speak to you on this podcast cuz the 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 pan africanists have you believe for they will tell you to go they will preach this gospel all the time go back to Africa that's our homeland but the Americas is our homeland and we are not african we are hebrew israelites we from the son of sham they from the son of ham so different lineage different bloodline so that being said there have been a lot of reports out of south africa uh particularly the way they treat other african nation who reside in africa who go visit uh, uh, south africa they mistreat them really really bad and i was not aware of this until recently i watched a video they were showing you how they were beating this guy from ghana or nigeria I don't know what country he came from but they was really mistreating him they would tell him go back to your so so and they was cussing the guy out in their native tongue I mean he was really rough and I'm like why would you treat your brother like that you know you guys are you know from the same continent you don't see Asian do that to each other you might you don't even see European do that to each other they, they have disagreement don't get me wrong when another European go to another European country they don't treat them like that okay But you Africans and I keep telling you your kryptonite is your tribal mindset. I'm not saying to get rid of your culture. I'm not saying to get rid of your language. What I'm saying is you have to get rid of this tribal 
mindset. I repeat, this tribal mindset is detrimental to African people growth in the continent. Even in America, but I'm just saying particularly in the continent. If you guys want to be successful as a as a nation, as a people collectively, you have to put aside the tribal mindset. It's detrimental to your growth. And you have yes, we understand the IMF, we understand uh, Portugal, France, Spain, and the Dutchess, you know, English in America, they all have really decimated the country. Now you have China. China is buying Africa wholesale. I repeat, China is buying Africa wholesale. A lot of you guys may say, no, that's that's outrageous. That's not true. It is true. Because those loans, you must pay them back within 30 years. If you don't pay them back, the Chinese government, they're going to come in and take your, all your resources. The same way that the British, the French, the Portuguese, and the Spaniard did, and the Italian, and the Germans. So you got to be mindful of those things. Okay? And the next, that's why I say I'm not really happy about China investing in Africa. Yes, I understand they're building stadiums, they're building railroads, they're building roads for, uh, like Kenya, for instance, other countries like Ethiopia or like um, in South Africa too. But you got to be mindful with those loans from China. I know the interest rate might be low, unlike the IMF loans, but you got to be careful with those Chinese loans because if you default on those loans, the Chinese can come in and reclaim those resources and, and, and own those resources because you never pay those loans back. So those African lady, uh, leaders, I would advise you, please pay those loans back or don't take no loan from, from China, period. And that's why I, I believe that Africa, those are the two things that's going to prevent Africa from growing because they take a lot of loans from China and they're not working as a unit. They don't have one common cause. You know, some of those countries, they do like Ghana, Kenya. You have Ethiopia. I won't say South, South Africa can be in there too, but they have a lot of conflict within themselves. Those are the three countries I, I can tell that making some kind of uh, move that's, that's really want to work and make this thing happen. And Rwanda is, one, is another country. Rwanda. So that being said, you know, the South African conflict is very prominent in Africa. Um, like I said, the land conflict is very prominent. That's why those of us who are visitors, uh, those of us who are thinking about living in South Africa, you got to think, think twice before you make that decision. Because you will be a, a wooden awakening when you get to South Africa. Because there's a lot of things the media is not telling you. Um, there's a lot of things that's being hidden from us in the Americas. But with technology now, you can really go online and look at a different topic, what's, going, what's really taking place on the continent, particularly South Africa, Nigeria, and all those West African countries. But that being said, um, this uh, South African land uh, conflict has been going on for centuries. And the people, the Africans right now, they don't want to give up the land. Um, there have been reports from the BBC News that the South Africans are killing the Africans, the, the, the farmers. I, okay, I'm like, if they give them a chance to give up the land peacefully, 
They don't want to give up the land peacefully. What should they go happen next? They're going to come and take the land just like they take the land from, from the African by force. So don't be amazed when they do that because they really talk to them. They try to be political, correct. They try to be peaceful. They say, hey, just give us the land and we go call a bygone be bygones. We move on. But if they're resisting, they don't want, they, they don't want to give up the land. The South African, they're going to come back and take the land by force. And that's what's happening right now. A lot of those South Africans, they go to those farmers and they're taking the land back. Okay? And that's why they, they send the Israel uh, Mossad over there to intervene, to prevent them from... That's why they're training them so they, they can kill those South Africans if they come to those lands, which is really bad on the Israel part. part you know, uh, Israel has no say-so in this, uh, on the, in this matter because that's, not, that's an internal affair. You know, Israel don't like, they don't like South African leaders to get to involve in their per, political affair in Israel. So, and that's something that the South African government needs to address. Whether they're going to address it at the UN, whether they're going to address it in Geneva, they need to address that. You know, Israel, Mossad, and South Africa, they need to address that issue. Because if they don't address it, it's going to create a major problem for them in the future. So, that being said, the South African land conflict has been going on for a long, long time. And South African is going to listen to this podcast. can agree to that, what I just said. I'm not an expert on South African polit- uh, politics or tribal uh, the, uh, tribes. But what I will say this. I've watched a lot of documentary on South Africa. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I say even though Nelson Mandela was really loved by the people, but he didn't really do his job. He didn't solve the land issues. The land issue should have been solved before he passed on. So all that would have been, you know, solved. But he didn't solve it because he was getting paid by all those groups to keep his mouth shut, to stay out of this um, thing. So he never solved the land conflict with those um, Africans. So therefore, when he passed on, the problem still remained. Till the day those Africans are fighting with the South Africans, they're refusing to give up the land. And uh, um, so a lot of you have been talking about this thing for for a long time. So that's what I'm saying because um, it affects the the whole continent. It really affects the whole continent. That's why we have to talk about it. You see what I'm saying? It affects the whole continent. And with that being said, if Africa want to be successful, they have to unite. They have to unite in one cause. They have to have one common goal. That's the only way they can be successful. And they have to uh, put the, the tribal mindset aside for them to grow as a, as a people, as a nation. Um, like I said, um, you guys can call in and give me your feedback on this um, South African land conflict. What's your take on it? What do you think Africa should do um, as far as, you know, coming together? But if they don't resolve this problem, like, yeah, Julius, yeah, Julius Malema, Julius Malema with the South African Congress, he had been the, 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 he had been the, the number one person I can think of because he's been around the world talking about the South African land conflict. Julius Malema, you know who he is. He's a South African. 
he had been the one that's been on the forefront really talking about this issue. He said to, I watched him talking in many speeches. He was talking about Nelson Mandela. He said, Nelson Mandela do, didn't, did not solve the land problem. Consequently, now it's become a problem for us because when he, was, when he was in power, he should have resolved this land conflict with the Africans. Now the Africans are being resistant. They don't want to give back the land, which the forefathers stole by force, by pilgrimage, by killing people. They stole those land that they own today, just like America. It's the same parallel. So, with that being said, uh, those of us who want to go to South Africa, I would say, pop your brakes. It should be an individual decision, but don't be trying to tell people to go back to Africa because Africa have a lot of tribal issues. They have a lot of economic issues in every country. Okay? So that's why you see every year you have millions of Africans that migrate to Europe, that migrate to the Caribbean, the North America, so on and so forth. They're leaving the continent. Consequently, that destroyed the, the economy. When you have millions of people living in the continent like that, and they're not coming back. So that really, only a few of them that, that come back. But majority of them don't come back to the continent. They might go there to visit, but they're not coming back and live there. So that destroyed the economy. And plus the IMF loan, now you have China and investment in, in, South, in Africa, heavily invested in Africa. You guys got to be mindful of China. Now I know they, they, they might be on a different premise from the European. At the same time, those loans got to be paid in the next 30, 40 years. If those loans are not being paid, China have the right to come in to take those resources from those countries. So that's something that African leaders, I know there have been a few African leaders that spoke about it, primarily the one in the, 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 the president of Ghana, and there have been others African leaders that have spoke about this issue. It's a problem, it's gonna cause a problem for the for the for the continent moving forward. But that being said, the South African land issue is something is something that's been going on for centuries now. Julius Malema with the African Congress, he had been the, the, the most outspoken person on this subject matter. He's the only one I can think. There have been others, but he's the most prominent out of all of those leaders in South Africa. So that being said, African-American, Caribbean-American who want to move to Africa, pump your brakes before you make those decisions. Like I told you guys, we're not the same people. We didn't come from the same bloodline. Now, you can agree or disagree, but those are the facts. You can refute the facts. But what I'm saying to you that don't listen to those Pan-Africans who's preaching this Pan-Africanist gospel. Now, I have nothing against African because African have suffered from this community, from racism, from all colonization. They have suffered. But that being said, African have never have a DACA program for us. They have never have land for us to come and, and cultivate and build. Just name me one country. I'll wait. Only two countries I can think of that made that had made an effort to have us come to Africa to invest is Ethiopia number one, number two would be Ghana. Those are the two countries I can think of. But all of those countries in Af Africa are 54 countries, those of us who don't know, they have not made an effort to, 
for us to move to back to Africa. So we have done for them, you know, African have a DACA program in America. They can come here and study and get degrees, okay, which they will never obtain back in their home. We make that happen for them. When Somalia was starving in the 80s, who spoke about that? It was Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, Lionel Richard, Stephen Wonder, Diana Ross. Those are the people that were speaking about this thing. And that's how the whole world knew about it because Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones spoke about it. And they raised millions of dollars for the Somalians who were starving. And that was caused by the IMF. The IMF put embargo against our country. They suffocated the economy. Consequently, the people starve to death. So they're still doing it in Venezuela. They're doing it in Iran. It's still going on as I speak on this podcast. Whether you agree or disagree, that's fine. But that, you can't refute those facts. Those are facts. Go look it up for yourself to get a better understanding of what I'm saying. But this land conflict has been going on for a long time. For a long time, it has been going on in South Africa. Those of us who reside in South Africa and those of us who study South African uh, um, history. So, Julius uh, Malema, I will do a podcast on him. Stay tuned uh, for that. I'll go more in depth by him as a person, as a leader. Uh, We need more leader like Julius Malema because he has some balls. He has some cojones. Um, he stood on his principles. I like a, a leader that stood. The problem in Africa, by and large, is like most of those leaders have no principles. They care about their bank account. They waste the people's money. And a lot of people end up dying because of bad leadership. Whether you're talking about Nigeria, South Africa, the Congo, Zimbabwe, Cote d'Ivoire. The list goes on and on. All those leaders have failed the people miserably. Their, their leadership, that's what I told you in my last podcast, I said African leadership sucks. I'm not saying that all African leaders suck. You have to be critical-minded. I'm not saying all African leaders suck, but I'm saying we go by the law of average. If you look at the law of average, most African leaders suck ass. Those are the facts. Historically speaking, those are the facts. Okay? And that's why Africa is still still suffering right now as i speak to you on this podcast i know there's going to be south african that's going to be on this podcast going to be nigerian others uh, nationality that's going to listen to this podcast because this podcast is being he- uh, heard around the world you cannot refute what i just said the reason why africa is struggling is that tribal mindset and poor leadership i repeat number one the tribal mindset number two is poor leadership that's why Africa is suffering. Now, you can say IMF loan. You can say CIA operative, Mossad. They create coup d'etat to destabilize those governments. I understand that. Those are facts. But that being said, Africans have to take responsibility for each individual nation. They have to take responsibility for that. They cannot no longer blame it on the white men all the time. Yes, the white men come and, and divide and conquer we understand that aspect. But you guys as leaders have to take responsibility for your action, for your people, for your country. You must take responsibility. Don't blame it on the European all the time. There come a time that where you have to stand up, be a woman, be a man, and take responsibility for your fault. Okay? 
That being said, the South African land conflict is something that South African leaders and other African nations have to talk about. And particularly, South African leaders have to solve. And America needs to stay out of this. Israel needs to stay out of it. All those European countries have to stay out of it. This is an internal affair. It must be done by South African. And that's all I got to say about this topic. This is just my perspective on this subject matter. I'm not an expert on South African politics, but I do know history. So that's all I got to say about this particular topic, South African land conflict. Stay tuned for Julius Malema. I'm not going to do his podcast today. I might do it tomorrow. And I'll probably do the next podcast I'll do today will be um, What is Heaven and Hell uh, from a mindset and a spiritual um, um, aspect. Stay tuned for this podcast. One love. Thank you for tuning in. Take care. Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is John Rosenberg. Bienvenidos, the um, John Rosenberg podcast. Bienvenue, uh, John Rosenberg podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate the help and the love for all my listeners around the United States, around the world, South America, Central America, the Caribbean islands. Thank you guys for tuning in to this podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about Rafael Trujillo, I repeat, Rafael Trujillo out of Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. Now, uh, those of us who've been to Santo Domingo, you're already aware of the discrimination and the stupidity of Dominicans, primarily the Dominican government. I'm not saying all Dominicans are racist. Um, yeah, we all have biases as human beings. We all have biases and prejudice as human beings. It depends how you was raised and your life experience. But Dominicans have this racism and this prejudice towards Haitians and Black Americans. Those of us who are Black American who go to Dominican public for pleasure, I would advise you not to go there for pleasure. Now, if you're doing business, I get it. I understand your hustle. I'm not going to knock your game. But for pleasure, I would rather you go to Jamaica, uh, to Jamaica Bermuda, Barbados, St. Croix. I would advise you to go to those islands instead of going to Dominican Republic. Now, Rafael Chirillo was born on October 24, 1891. He died on May 30th, 1961. I repeat, he was born on October 24, 1891. He died on May 30th, 1961. His nickname was El Cheche. El Cheche means in Spanish the chief or the boss. He ruled for 31 years as a dictator and he was best friend with Batista in the United States. Now, he was assassinated. Hey, like I said, if you don't play by the rules, you'll be assassinated. So I know the U.S. was behind it allegedly, okay? Allegedly, the U.S. was behind his assassination. Now, he's a man who, he's a mulatto, by the way. Let me be clear on that. Mulatto means, um, for the French word, it means brown. But nowadays, it's a mixed race. So, America, uh, the island, when Christopher Columbus conquered the island in 1492, you guys have to know what transpired before 1492. You must understand 
what people we were prior to Columbus invaded the island, which he named Hispaniola. Um, the, the, then they end up to calling it Santo Domingo, which um, in translation means Holy Sunday. Now, as of now, there's nothing holy about Santo Domingo. Let's be clear on that. There's nothing holy about Santo Domingo. Now, before Columbus got here, yes, it was a holy land. Like I told you, this land was called the milk of honey. The Americas were called the land of milk of honey. Primarily Haiti and all the Caribbean islands in Central America and South America. They was called the milk of honey. They don't use that term for Africa or Asia. That being said, Trujillo, Pende, Maricón, Buen, La Sister. Those of us who speak Spanish know exactly what I'm saying. He was a racist bastard. He's a man who ruled... Um, Santo Domingo with an iron fist, just like Batista ruled Cuba with an iron fist. Now, with Batista, he was elected first, then he became a dictator because America was behind him um, from 1954 to 1959 when Castro took over the, the uh, for, uh, Castro overthrew his government. Now, you're going to say, what is the correlation between Rafael Pendejo Trujillo with Batista Pendejo Maricón uh, Batista? What is the correlation? They're both pendejos. They're both racist as hell. So uh, in 1959, the news of 1959, uh, Batista flew out to um, Santo Domingo to escape Castro. So Trujillo, in the 1930s, he killed between 20 to 30,000 Haitians. I repeat, during the 1930s, Trujillo assassinated, or not assassinated, but killed between 20,000 to 30,000 Haitian citizens with the the infamous Parsley Massacre. You can look up Parsley Massacre, like the uh, Parsley um, Vegetable, uh, Parsley Massacre, where he murdered over 20,000 to 30,000 Haitians. Now, Haitian citizens, let me advise you. Now, this thing has been going on for a century now, since since 1830, when... Um, Dominican uh, become a, a, repu- a republic, and they they spread. At one time, there was one a one nation, but because of a bigotry with Spain and and and, um, and France, and France, they divide the island. Which I was looking back, I think we should have stayed with, with uh, under Spanish rule because we would have been one nation. But either way, we was fucked up. Either way, is one of the evils, one of the lesser evils. Whether you was French or and the Spaniards killed many people, and the Spaniards occupied the island for about 200 years prior to the uh, the French coming there. I'll say 300 years they occupied the island. So they wanted to uh, divide the island. The French take the east side, and uh, the Spaniards take the west side of the island. Now, Dominicans, I'm going to address you guys personally, because you Dominicans are Pendejo, Maricón, Muen, La Sister. You Dominicans are Pendejos. Not all of you, but most of you, especially the older Dominicans who are in your 60s and your 70s, who are in your, 40, in your 50s, 60s, and 70s. Those Dominicans, those are the ones I'm going to address the most. Because if you're under your 40s, you may not know about Rafael Trujillo, especially if you was born in the state. Now, if you was born in San Domingo, you may have known about him. You may, you may know about him because they teach you that in, in school. Now, if you're a rich Dominican, that was your man because... And at that time, he, uh, the economy was doing good. He, he, he did a lot of good things for the rich Dominican. Let me, let me advise you. Not the average Dominican, but the rich Dominicans 
who were um, mixed with Spanish blood and, and French blood, he did pretty well from there. And those white people that live in, in Dominican Republic, he did very well for them. He did very well for America. He was American. America was using him in, 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 in the island. America, he was, he, I was supporting him for, for quite a while. Um, they had some fallout. Um, then that's how he was assassinated. But like I said, you know America, if you don't, do by, if you don't obey by their rules, you will be assassinated. Um, he had a he he did a coup. Uh, he went after uh, the Venezuelan president, Romalio. Um, he went after Romalio out of Venezuela. There, there was an assassination attempt on uh, the Venezuelan president in 1960. He went after him and he killed a couple. He killed a couple of journalists in Mexico. I will put their name on the on the on the program. Once you go look at the pack, as I'll have the name listed. Um, the people that he killed, those um, journalists that he killed in Mexico. Now, El Checha El Pendejo, um, Rafael Trujillo, he was a dictator for 31 years in Santo Domingo. A lot of Dominicans will tell you that, oh, I'm not racist. My, you know, now some of them, they are not racist. Let me get, they, I will say not racist. They are not prejudiced. Those, even when they come to America, those of us who deal with Dominican on the East Coast, uh, whether you live in Nueva York, which is New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, those of us who interact with Dominicans, you know that from, from, from jump, they have this prejudice towards their own blackness. Um, I was talking to one of them. She, she's as dark as me. She, I'm not even dark. I'm light brown. But she was really dark than me. She was like, oh, I don't date Moreno. I'm like, what? You're not even, black. You're not even white. So that being said, they have this, um, this pressure. Just like the Cubans have this pressure towards black Americans and black that reside in Cuba. They're very racist. Um, like I said, they are more racist than those southern, southern whites in America. I'm not trying to pass, uh, uh, like I said, black Americans have to be aware of that. When you travel overseas, you have to understand the history behind those countries. So that way you won't be bamboozled. As of late, as of recently, there have been a lot of murders in Santo Domingo. Um, like I said, I'm not going to go into the details. Those of us who watch the, the evening news know that there have been a lot of death out of Santo Domingo. So I would advise black American, Haitian in particular, and an African who, who don't know the history, who want to go there for pleasure, I would advise you go to some other islands. But don't go to Santo Domingo. But like I said, if you're a businessman or woman who want to do business over there, that's your prerogative. I can tell you what to do. You're a grown man, a grown woman. So if that's what you want to do, hey, two issues on. But I would advise you not to go there and live there because you might get caught up in the sauce. A lot of Dominicans, they will tell you Haitian this, Haitian that. Let me break this thing down. Yes, there have been Haitian who goes there with no papers, which I've talked about before. When you go to a country with no documentation as a person of color, <laughs> we're not talking about the so-called whites. You're going to catch some hell. I don't care what country you go to, whether you go to China, you go to Japan, whether you go to South America, the Caribbean island, you don't go with no papers. People are going to mistreat you as a black person. White people will be different. And that's why I would advise every Asian citizen not to go there for pleasure because the history between Dominican and we are the same people. A lot of Dominicans won't tell you that, oh, they make you think that Haitian and them are two different people. No, we're not the same. We are the same bloodline. We are the, I repeat, we are the same people. A lot of Dominicans, not all of them, now let me be objective here, not all of them say that, but most of them, they will tell you 
especially in America, where if you've never been to the island, they'll say, oh, those are Haitianos. Haitianos, no good. They will tell you that. And Cubans are like that too. Cubans will say that about Haitian also. So Chirillo killed about 20 to 30,000 Haitian in the 1930s. And that's why I didn't know growing up, I didn't know about Chirillo. I'd never heard of the name Trujillo until I got to the United States. And I started doing some digging. Um, I was checking on Batista, then his name popped up. I said, you know what? Let me look into this guy. You know, he's from San Domingo. Why not? You know, I'm checking, I'm researching Batista. His name popped up because him and Batista had a relationship. Like I told you earlier in the podcast, during Batista's reign, they was best buddies. And Batista took a lot of wealth to San Domingo with him. In 1959, those of us who are Cuban nationals already know that already. Those of us who are not Cuban nationals who live in America or over the world, if you're not a political science, you don't study uh, history, you may not, not, not know of it. Me, I was not aware of it until I got to the States, until I started digging on Batista regime. Because Batista was a pendejo, and went to, uh, that it was a racist. He killed a lot of people. He killed over 20,000 people in Cuba. So um, that being said, that's the correlation between Trujillo, Wafio Trujillo, and Batista. They both were dictators. Now, Batista, for Batista's sake, he didn't start as, uh, as a dictator. He became a dictator. But Trujillo started as a dictator. He ruled Santo Domingo with an iron fist. I repeat, Rafael Trujillo ruled Santo Domingo with an iron fist. For 31 years, he ruled Santo Domingo, and he was very racist. He was a bigot, El Tupido Maricón. So even him, if you go to the museum in, in Santo Domingo, they will show you um, his motorcade and, and, and he used to use powder, according to people that was there at that time. They still have it in the museum. He used to use uh, powder in his face to make his face look more El Blanco white. So to make his face look more white, he used like powder on his skin. But he was a mulatto. I keep saying mulatto is a mixed race. Most Haitian and Dominicans are mulattoes. And Cuban too, Puerto Ricans, the list goes on and on. Because our people were invaded, uh, were raped, our women were raped by the Spaniards, the French, the English, the Dutch, our people, and the Portuguese, our women were raped. So that's why you see a lot of mixture among our people. And we are the most beautiful people by far and the first of the earth. And that's why me, I would say, it would be better for us to unite as Dominican and Haitian to have one nation. But a lot of Dominicans going to be against it. You know, maybe the future Dominican may say, you know what? We've been fighting for 100 plus years. It's not, what does it benefit us as, as Dominican and Haitian? It doesn't benefit us nada, not a damn thing. It does not benefit us a, nothing, spiritually, mentally, and financially. It does not uh, uh, benefit us at all. Who's getting rich in Dominican? It's the whites, um, Dominicans over there, just like Cuba, just like Haiti, those white, those mulattoes uh, that's in power, they're the ones that benefit from this conflict. We as a regular Dominicans and we as uh, Haitians, we don't benefit from that. So that's why you have to educate your children to let them know what took place in the past for them to have a better understanding what, what would happen in the future. And don't put that, uh, don't poison your children's mind with this, uh, this Moreno, Moreno bullshit, you know, this black and white bullshit. All you have to tell your, your children is that there's a good people in this world, regardless of race and class and religious belief. There are good people, there are bad people. And every culture and every 
ethnicity. So that's what you got to tell your children. Don't try this colorism. And colorism is very bad for the Caribbean as a whole. But Dominican, they, 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 they mestizo, they this, they that. They are one confused people. They have a lot of class and uh, different class they go by. Mestizos, this Indian, that, buffoonery. A lot of them, they believe in this nonsense because it was preached down to them when they were young. And they grew up with this mindset that they're better than Haitian. But one day they felt to realize that Haiti and, and Dominican Republic are in the same island. Those of us who've never been to um, the island of Santo Domingo or Haiti don't even know that. When you look at the geography, you'll know that Haiti is located on the east coast of the island and Dominican is located on the west coast of the island. But they are the same island. It's like saying that here in Jacksonville, um, somebody that lives in Clay County, or you say, oh, they're different people, but they're, they're all Floridians. We are Floridian, or somebody that lives downtown, or somebody that lives in Arlington, those of us who reside in Jacksonville, we say, oh, they're different people. No, they're all Floridian. That's the stupidity among Dominicans. They will make you think that in Haitian and them, because of their light skin color, not all of them are light skin, 95% of them are dark skin, but a lot of them will make you think that because of the lighter complexion, a lot of, there's a lot of Haitian who have light complexion, but the media don't show you that. They only show you the dark skin Haitian. You know, that they all show you the par, the poorest part of Haiti, which is Cite Soleil, City of Sun. That's what they show you. Now, Haiti is, is a very diverse culture, very diverse people. We have dark skin Haitian, we have really a blonde, you know, light, light skin Haitian, almost too white. And we have like, you know, light brown Haitian. So we are very diverse as a people. So don't, don't fall into this narrative that all Haitian are dark skin. If you do that, you do yourself a disservice because we are so diverse as a people. Culturally and physically, we are very diverse. So Dominican, Dominican who, who never been to Dominican, Dominican that was born here, they may not know the history of Haiti and, and Dominican Republic. But Dominican that was born in Dominican Republic, I know your parents told you what had took place. And Haitian that live in Haiti, like my brother goes there for vacation and he was asking me why I haven't been to the center. I said, I have no need to be. I'm not going to open a business there. I'm not going to go there for pleasure. That's just my belief. And that's that's my stance. Now, I might change my mind in a couple of years, uh, maybe a couple of years. Who knows? But as of now, I have no interest of going to Santo Domingo, even Cuba. In the Bahamas, the way they treat Haitian are very bad. But primarily, we talk about Santo Domingo. Um, there's nothing holy about it. It's Holy Sunday. That's the translation. There's nothing holy about it. It used to be holy before Christopher Columbus. And the whole island was holy. Uh, they call it IET. That was the original uh, the, the IT, That was the original name. And they changed it to Española. But that being said, Rafael Trujillo was a dictator, a racist at heart, and he was a mulatto who ruled um, Santo Domingo for 31 years because he was born in 1891. He died. He was assassinated mostly by the U.S. allegedly uh, in 1961. So his, his nickname was El Cheche, translation, the chief or the boss. That's the nickname they call him, El Cheche. So he was best friend with uh, Batista. Um, him and Batista was best buddies. And he was supported by the U.S. Now, the, the, the rich Dominican, would, they, they, would lo- they love him because, you know, during that time, 
a lot of them make a lot of money, but the average Jamaican they make a dime from. A lot, they were suffering, but the rich Dominicans, that was their guy because he make them make a lot of money during his, his his dictatorship. They make a lot of money. America too make a lot of money from him until they got rid of him allegedly. But what I'm saying is, Wafia Tohilo was a racist. El Mwenga, Sister Pendel Maricón, that's who he was, okay? A lot of Dominicans will not talk about him because they know that the history of, of, of him, he, he, kill, he didn't like Haitian. He killed about 20 to 30,000 Haitian, like I stated on the podcast earlier. That's why I tell Haitian, those of us who are Haitian nationals, do not go to the Dominican Republic. I repeat, don't go there. They treat you guys like dogs. Do not go there. I don't know why you guys keep going there and embarrassing yourself. For what? I don't know. Honestly, you guys get desperate, but look for other um, islands to go to. Do not go to San Domingo until they resolve the Dominican Republic and the UN resolve this problem. That's the same thing in Bahamas. The way they treat Haitian in Bahamas. I, I, mean, I, call, I call them out on that in my last podcast. They hate me in prejudice towards Haitian. And Dominicans have a lot of prejudice towards Haitian because they was bred that way for, for over 100 years now. So that being said, if you're Dominican nationals who don't have this, you know, who don't think like that, I would advise you to call your government to change those laws in Santo Domingo towards Haitian. Because by and large, we are the same people. We came from the same bloodline, the same lineage. I repeat, we are the same people. We came from the same bloodline and from the same lineage. Whenever you kill a Haitian, you're killing your brother, your sister, vice versa. Okay? We are brothers and sisters. There's no need for us to have all this hate and this animosity towards each other because we were brainwashed by the Spaniard and the French and the English. So there's no need for us to do that. It's the same thing. This is the same correlation in America. You see, the same thing. They divide our people. And I, and I keep telling you guys, I feel this in my spirit, in my soul. The black American will rise and Haiti will rise once again. Because Haiti was the first black republic in the Americas, by far. 1804, we fought a 1200, uh, 12 years war with, French, with the French. And we fought with the Spaniards and the English. And we defeated them all. That's why you wonder why Haiti cash a lot of hell. That, there goes the reason why Haiti cash a lot of hell. Because we are the only nation in the world that have defeated three European world powers. That's Spain, España, Francia, and Angleta. It's those three. France, Spain, and England. We have defeated them all three. They have not been a, a country in Africa, Asia, or the Americas that have done that, except the Haitian. We are the only people that have done that. That's why they don't put our name on the history books. They make you see like we are like monkeys and dummies. But Haiti, that's a war bloodline. Haitians come from a war bloodline. Same thing for Dominicans. They came from a war bloodline. But that being said, Dominicans who don't feel that way, I would advise you, write your government in Santo Domingo. Tell them that to change the law towards the Haitian. Especially those Haitians that was born there. And that, that goes for a Haitian that was born there or a Haitian that wasn't born in the Dominican Republic. It's time for us to address those issues and get them solved. Because our children is the future. Our children are going to suffer moving forward. We need to stop this nonsense. 
It's time this racism got to stop. I know the white men conquer us and divide us to nationality. But our bloodline is still the same. The blood, yeah, the blood was it was converted. But at the same time, it's still a, a war of bloodline. And Haitian, we are very proud people. We have a great history and great culture. And my last note on this podcast, if you're Haitian nationals who do business, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I want you to listen to this and, and put it in your heart. Don't go to Santo Domingo for pleasure or business. My advice to any Asian national who's going to listen to this podcast, and I go for a black American also and, and so an African who don't know the history, I would advise you guys not to go there. But if you're a businessman or woman who wants to invest in Santo Domingo, just be careful when you go there. Just be very, very careful. So that being said, Rafael Trujillo was a pendejo maricong. Uh, he was a racist. He ruled Dominican Republic for 31 years with an iron fist, just like Batista ruled Cuba for, for all these years with an iron fist. That being said, thank you for t- uh, tuning in. Adios, ciao, au revoir. Take care.